Welcome to First Baptist Church. You're listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead. Please check us out on the internet at fbcboron.org. Colossians chapter 3, beginning in verse 15. And the word of the Lord reads, Let the peace of Christ rule in your hearts, to which indeed you were called in one body. And be thankful. Let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. And whatever you do, in word and deed, do everything in the name of the Lord Jesus, giving thanks to God the Father through Him. This is the word of the Lord. Henry Ward Beecher once wrote, A proud man is seldom a grateful man, for he never thinks he gets as much as he deserves. So it's really hard to believe that we are now coming to the end of 2022. It's, it's hard to believe that we're standing so close to another year. I mean, the fact is Christmas is less than two months away. If you needed something, some reason to kind of get anxious, that's probably good enough, right? If you haven't done your Christmas shopping already, right? I mean, Halloween and Reformation Day are already behind us. The high school football season is over. The World Series just finished, right? And the weather has finally cooled off here in Boron. It goes from very hot to cold like that. Hallelujah. (laughs) And now this time of year, we begin to plan for our time together with our families. Right? We begin to make plans for our Christmas gatherings. We begin to think about our Christmas card lists and when is too early to put the Christmas tree up, which, by the way, I don't think that there is a law about that, right? I say that because my wife will do it anytime she wants to anyway, so it doesn't matter. And, and, and many of us, you know, are hoping that our, our football teams will, you know, be in the playoff hunt. And it's also the time of year that we tend, or at least I tend to become more reflective and think about my family. And I think about what we've accomplished during the year. And then we begin to start thinking about next year. What are we going to do next year? And what we're going to try to accomplish in the following year. And, and right in the middle of all of this, Right in the middle of this, right before we really jump into Christmas season, is this opportunity for us to slow down a little bit and take some time to be thankful, to be grateful. And in in light of that, we as a church are going to begin a short sermon series titled Giving Thanks with a Grateful Heart. And and I do realize that Thanksgiving is still a few weeks away, right? And, 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 And I realize that, you know, uh, shortly after Thanksgiving, we're going to get in the hustle bustle of Christmas. But I just felt it was important that we take a few weeks and spend some time on this subject because the idea of gratitude and expressing gratitude you know, through Thanksgiving, especially for those of us who are in Christ, is one of the most important ideas, perhaps one of the most overlooked parts of the Christian life. Because the truth is, no matter what we're going through right now, The truth is, no matter what you're facing in your life in this moment, you and I have so very much to be thankful for. Especially if you belong to Christ, you have a lot to be thankful for. And I want to tell you, to the degree that you live daily in gratitude and practice thanksgiving to God, to the degree that you have a grateful heart, tells the world a lot about who you are. Your gratitude or lack of gratitude tells us a lot about who you are as a person and also as a follower of Christ. In fact, the level of gratitude you feel or express in your life says a lot about the condition that your heart is in. And it does in three basic ways. It says a lot about what I like to call your spiritual temperature. It says a lot about the condition of your spiritual life because those of us those who have a vibrant, healthy, spiritual life, I don't know if you've ever noticed, tend to be people who are grateful, people towards God. right? And those who don't have a healthy, spiritual life tend to be people who are not so grateful. right? And we're going to talk a lot about that later this morning. Number two, the second thing 
it says about your heart is the level is the level of your gratitude in your life will directly impact your tendency to stand firm in self-control. I don't know if you realize that or not. That the level of gratitude you have towards God actually directly impacts your ability to stand firm in self-control or even fall into sin. Because those who tend to be grateful to God tend to find strength when they need it from Him and to rise above temptation and sin. But those who are not so grateful are more prone to be led away by temptation. And we're going to talk more about that next week. And then number three, the third thing is that your attitude of gratitude says about you is that it really tells the world what kind of life that you that is actually in you what kind of life that's actually inside you. And what I mean by that is that people who tend to be grateful tend to be filled with light, and they tend to be life-giving. People who are grateful tend to be gracious. But those who are not so grateful tend to be darkened and life-consuming. They tend to be negative and unforgiving and even demanding. And I think we all, we all know people like this. I think we've all been people like this. People who are grateful and people who are ungrateful. I think we've seen ourselves on both sides of that spectrum at different times and probably every place in between. And so we're going to spend some time going over these next, these for the next three weeks leading up to Thanksgiving. But suffice it to say, your level of gratitude that you maintain in your heart towards God is a pretty accurate indicator of the quality of your spiritual life. It's a good predictor of your ability to resist temptation, and it certainly speaks to your ability to bring light and life to your family and your relationships and the people around you. And what I know about you is if I were to ask you how you want your life to be, you would say that you would want a vibrant spiritual life. I know that about you. That's what you would choose. And that you would say that I, would, I want strength to fight off temptation. And you would say that I want to be someone who brings life to my family and to my relationships and to my community. We would all say the same thing. Right? That's what you want, which means gratitude actually then is an important part of your life. Whether or not you know it, it's important to you. Gratitude's a big deal, and especially a big deal for those who call themselves Christians. Because again, we have so much to be thankful for. We of all people have more than anyone else to be thankful for. That's why we're going to take the next three weeks to talk about it. We're going to spend the next three weeks leading up to Thanksgiving looking at why gratitude is so important to us. And more importantly, how can we foster gratitude in our lives? Because we all need more gratitude. We all need to be more thankful. In fact, many of us, again, shift back and forth on that continuum. So today we're gonna, what we're going to do is we're going to talk about right, what I like to call our spiritual temperature. And what I mean by spiritual temperature is just an indication of your spiritual health. Do you have a healthy, robust, life-giving spiritual life? Right? And, and we need to reflect on, 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 on questions like that, right? I mean, how is your walk with God? In fact, when people come to me for counseling or you know, who, who are struggling with things, whether it's addiction or relationships, I always ask them the same questions. How is your walk with God? You'll find the greater the problems, the less connected they are. So is your relationship with God close? Do you find strength in Him? Do you feel His life-giving presence? Do you have a deep-rooted sense of joy in your heart regardless of how things are going for you right now? What is your spiritual temperature? That's what we're going to look at today. And a good way to gauge your spiritual temperature is to look at, and, and is to look at your heart and see where your gratitude level is on a day-to-day -day basis. I mean, there are those on one end of the spectrum right, who wake up every morning and say, thank you, Lord, for another wonderful, beautiful day. They seem to just hop out of bed and everything's wonderful. Do you thank God for allowing Him to wake you? Do you thank God for waking your family every day? Do you find yourself thanking God for every little thing as you go? Thank you, Lord, for the warm blankets. Thank you, Lord, for the heater that works. Thank you, Lord, you know, for the roof that doesn't leak. Thank you, Lord, that the car started. Thank you, Lord, that I have the ability to go to church this morning. I have the ability to go to work. 
Or are you more kind of in the middle, someone who, who does thank God, but it's a little less frequent? I mean, you tend to thank God for just the big stuff, you know? <laughs> the doctor said it's not cancer. Praise the Lord, right? right? I just found my wallet before I had to, I had to you know, cancel all my credit cards. Thank you, Jesus, right? I got that job I was hoping for, right? We, we, we praise the Lord and thank Him for the big things. You're grateful and you express it, but it's usually when it comes to the bigger things in life. Or maybe you're just someone who believes in God and, and you love God greatly, but you just really just don't thank Him because you don't think about it. Right? You just never stop to say, thank you, God. I mean, you pray to God, and, and out of habit, you might say things like, Heavenly Father, I thank you for this day. I thank you for this family. I thank you for this food. We all say those kind of habitually, right? But you never really stop and think about what you have to be thankful for. You never actually reflect on the fact that God has really been good to you. You never really take the time to express to Him sincerely, Thank you, Lord. Thank you for my wife and children. Thank you for my home. Thank you for the way that you provide for me. Thank you for saving me. Or maybe you're just someone who just, maybe you're somebody who doesn't think, think about thanking God very often. Or you just, again, somewhere fall on that continuum somewhere. Because believe me, I think depending on where we are in our lives, we will fall somewhere in there. What is your spiritual temperature? Do you have a vibrant, robust peace Enjoy giving faith, or are you just simply going through the motions and just trying to get through? Well, I'm going to tell you, your level of gratitude is a direct ref reflection of your spiritual health. And the reason why it's a good indicator of your spiritual temperature is because your gratitude level tells us three important things about you and your walk with God. Number one, the first thing it tells us is that it tells you where your heart belongs. Your gratitude level, believe it or not, will tell us who your heart belongs to. You see, your heart can only belong to one of two people. It's either going to belong to God or it's going to belong to you. Either he's on the throne or you are. Now, some might say, well, wait a minute. What if my heart belongs to another person? That's fine, but still that's ultimately about you. All right? If somebody... Somebody has your heart rather than God, it's because you have an affection for them, and that person causes you certain satisfaction. It's still about you. So either your heart belongs to God or it belongs to you, but there is no in-between. There, no, there is no one else. Either you live for you and your desires and your glory, or you're living for God and His. And what you'll find is a lot of this seems simplistic, but it really is that simple. If you are someone who continually is grateful, if you're someone who is walking in gratitude towards God, then more than likely your heart is centered and focused on Him. Your heart and your mind tend to be centered on Him. But if you're not so grateful, you're probably, your heart is focused on you and your desires and your wants rather than living for Him. And again, you'll hear me say this probably multiple times. That sounds simplistic. But it's simply that true. You either focus your life and your heart and your mind on God, or you can focus your heart and your mind on you, but you can't have both. Which, by the way, is exactly what Jesus was communicating in Matthew chapter 6, verse 21, where he says, For where your treasure is, what you value most, there your heart will be also. Now, we know in that context that Jesus is talking manifestly about money, but we can apply that a little bit more broadly, right? He said, do not lay up for yourself treasures on earth where moth and rust destroy and where thieves break in and steal, but lay up for yourself treasures on, in heaven where neither moth nor rust destroys, where thieves do not break in and steal, for where your treasure is, there your heart will be also. Jesus is saying, don't store up material possessions here on earth, but instead invest what you have, your time, your talent, your resources into things that have eternal significance. Invest in people. Invest in the gospel. Invest in the work of the church. And then he says, what you invest in is what you will find to be important. What you spend your time and your energy and your resources on is what really is the indication of what's important to you. Where your treasure is, there your heart will be. 
And you can determine what's important to you by what you value and what you invest in. And, and here's the point. If a person values his relationship with God, right, and he values what God has done for him, and he values the gospel that saved him, and he values the word of God that brought life to him, his life and his heart is going to be focused and centered on the God who redeemed him. His heart and mind, his time and his energy, his resources will be focused on God and toward God. And the overflow of that, the outworking of that, will be, as a natural byproduct, gratitude towards God. As the author of the psalm says, Give thanks to the Lord, for he is good, for his steadfast love endures forever. God is what is good, and his love for us has no end in spite of ourselves. This naturally inspires gratitude. James, the brother of Jesus, said, Every good and perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights. Everything that is good comes from God. We've, we hear that, right? We, we've heard that. We've sang that. How often do we reflect on it that everything that is good is from Him? Again, gratitude is in order. The Apostle Paul reminds us, and we know that for those who love God, all things work together for good for those who are are called according to His purpose. Not some things, but all things. God works all things out for good for those who love Him. And again, all the more reason to walk in gratitude then, even for all things, even for things that aren't good. When a person has his or her heart and mind fixed on God, the natural outcome should be gratitude towards God for everything that he has done. The natural outcome should be a life-giving, life of, excuse me, a life of giving thanks and a life of gratitude. But on the other hand, when a person's heart and mind and time and money and energy are focused not on God and his kingdom and his glory, the focus moves to the only other place that it can which is the self, because that's what we do. When we are not focused on God, we are focused on ourselves and our own wants and desires and needs and appetites and ambitions. We are focused on ourselves, and that focus tends to lean towards ingratitude because the more we pursue the things that are not of God, and I want you to hear me on this, the more that we pursue the things that are not of God, the less those things will satisfy us. When we pursue things that are not of God, ultimately, they will not satisfy us. They might make us happy in the moment, but they do not bring eternal, internal peace and joy. They might bring momentary pleasure, but they don't bring lasting peace and joy. They simply don't bring satisfaction to our souls, the the, the satisfaction that we desire. That's why people who, who don't put God first in their lives ultimately are never satisfied or never content. Because everything in the world other than God doesn't have the ability to fill that God-shaped void in our hearts. And because of that, we tend to become, we, we, we tend to pursue more and more things. Have you ever noticed that? That's just the way our appetites work. The more we pursue, the less, less satisfaction that we get. That's why addictions are so addicting. And we see it all the time. How much is enough money? Right? You ask, a, a multi-billionaire was asked that question. And with a wry smile, he said, a little more. A little more. How much pleasure is enough pleasure? How much popularity is enough? Right? How much power is enough? How much acceptance by other people is enough? How, how many pairs of shoes do you really need? We pursue more and more stuff in order to try to satisfy our hearts, but it doesn't work. And as a result, we progressively become more and more ungrateful because who is going to be grateful for something that doesn't actually bring satisfaction? You go to the cupboard and you find that it's empty and there's no food. Are you grateful for that? You find a water bottle in the middle of the desert when you're dying of thirst and there is no water. Are you grateful for that? No. We're not going to be grateful for the things that do not satisfy. Pursuing self and the things of this world leads to emptiness and ingratitude. But on the other hand, pursuing God leads to fulfillment and joy and peace, and it leads to an expression 
of a life of gratitude. That's why the level of gratitude in your heart reflects where your heart is. When you find yourself bitter and frustrated and angry all the time, I want you to understand that's a sign of ingratitude. It's a sign that you're focused on other things besides your need for the Lord. Seriously, how many people do you know that have a grateful heart to God who remain in a constant state of irritation? You don't find them that way. They may have bad days, as we all do, but there's not an underlying bitterness. There's an actual underlying joy. People who are focused on God's goodness and are grateful to Him tend to be peaceful, tend to be people who are joyous and content. And they tend to be uplifting, even when life is hard. That's the simple truth. Your gratitude or ingratitude is a measure of where your heart is. Is it God or is it you? Number two, your gratitude level tells us a lot about your devotional life. Your gratitude level towards God is usually directly correlated to the quality of your devotional life. Because the truth is simply this, the more time you spend with God, the more you are typically focused on Him and His goodness and His promises, which is reflected in your gratitude towards Him. The more time you spend with God and in His Word and in prayer, the more that you will see how good God is to you and how much you have to be grateful for. Paul tells us, let the word of Christ dwell in you richly, teaching and admonishing one another with wisdom, in all wisdom, singing psalms and hymns and spiritual songs with thankfulness in your hearts to God. When you're connected to God and His word dwells in you richly, something inside of you changes. You experience true joy and peace and contentment. When you spend time with God, you are reminded over and over again of all that He has done for you. You're reminded of the truth that He is the one who ultimately provides for you. You're reminded that every breath that you take is a gift from His own hand. Brothers and sisters, you are alive this moment, this very instant in time, because God, by His sovereign hand, has given you life in this moment. We are here today worshiping the Lord, all of us being able to have a relationship with one another because all of us have given that same, been given that same gift of life. God is the one who provides for you. And He is the one who loves you in spite of you. Paul tells us, as we read already in Romans chapter 5, verse 8, right, that God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. God sent His Son to die for us because we could do nothing for Him. He sent His Son to die for us before we could even reciprocate our love for Him. What an act of undeserved, gracious love. And then we read and study the Word and we're reminded that Christ is the one who brings peace to our life. Jesus said in John 14, 27, Peace I leave with you. My peace I give to you. Not as the world gives do I give you. Let your, not your hearts be troubled, neither let them be afraid. When we spend time with the, with the Lord, we're reminded of the truth that God has promised to take care of us. Right? Jesus said in Matthew chapter 6, Therefore I tell you, do not be anxious about your life, what you will eat or what you will drink, nor about your body and what you will put on. Is not life more than food and the body more than clothing? Look at the birds of the air. They neither sow nor reap. They neither gather into barns, and yet your heavenly Father feeds them. Are you not of more value than they? And which of you, by being anxious, can add a single hour to his span of life? And why are you anxious about clothing? Consider the lilies of the field and how they grow. They neither toil nor spin. Yet I tell you, even Solomon in his glory was not arrayed like one of these. But if God so clothes the grass of the field, which today is alive and tomorrow thrown in the oven, will he not much more clothe you, O you of little faith? Therefore, do not be anxious, saying, What shall we eat, or what shall we drink, or what shall we wear? For the Gentiles seek after these things, and your heavenly Father knows that you need them all. But seek first the kingdom of God and his righteousness and 
all these things will be added to you. You see, when you spend time with God on a regular basis in His Word and prayer and in worship and fellowship and in serving others and being on mission, the natural byproduct is to see just how good God has been to you. And the byproduct of that ought to be then gratitude. You're going to be mindful of what God has done for you and what He is continually doing for you. But on the other hand, if you find yourself frustrated and irritated, it seems like nothing is going your way and you feel like everyone in life is against you, right? And it seems that everyone else is, is, is getting all the breaks and you find that you're, you're very dissatisfied with every part of your life. Chances are you have an ungrateful heart. Chances are you're someone who isn't spending regular quality time with God in His Word or in prayer because the level of your gratitude is directly related to how much time you're spending with God. And again, I know that sounds simplistic, but it's quite that, simply that true. You cannot spend time in the presence of God on a regular basis without it changing you. If anyone who spent time with God, everyone who spends time with God actually knows this. And so the natural byproduct of the regular intentional time with God produces in our hearts gratitude. And so if you're grateful, you're probably spending time with the Lord on a regular basis. If you're grateful, sometimes, what do you think about the big things? Your devotional life is probably a little less frequent. And if you're someone who's just ungrateful and never think about it, you're probably spending very little time in your devotional life because the level of your gratitude is a good measure of your devotional life. And, the, and finally, the third thing your level of gratitude towards God tells, you about, tells us about you is really how important the gospel is to you. Your attitude of gratitude or ingratitude speaks directly about really how much you're thinking about the gospel and how important it is in your life. Right? Now, some people protest that, but let's just think about this. It really doesn't matter, by the way, what happens in this life. It doesn't matter if you're male or female or whether you're rich or poor. In the end, it's not going to matter if you spent your life you know, healthy or sick, whether you've been popular or despised by everyone, whether you're really good-looking or you're very ugly, whether you're a Republican or a Democrat whether you're married or single or have kids or don't have kids. Right? It doesn't matter about any of those things because the truth is you and me and every other human being who has ever lived or never will live, we all will face or we all have faced the same catastrophic problem. We face a gigantic problem that's bigger than any part of this life. And that simply is this, that we are all sinners as we talked about in Romans under the justice of God, as Paul reminds us from Romans chapter 3, none is righteous, no, not one. No one seeks for God. All have turned aside together. All have become worthless. No one does good, not even one. We've all sinned and fallen short of the glory of God. We, have, we are all, every one of us, broken sinners. And because of that, then... We face an even bigger problem. Paul tells us that for the wages of sin is death. In fact, we just, we just read that recently. We deserve death for our sin and our brokenness, both physical and spiritual death. We deserve to be separated from God. We deserve His wrath. We deserve hell. And if you don't think that there is a hell, Paul reminds us, he says, on the account of these, our sins... The wrath of God is coming. Now, the truth is, because we proclaim the gospel here at First Baptist Church, often we do talk quite a bit about the wrath of God. But have you ever really even spent time thinking about the wrath of God? A lot of people don't like to think about it, but I think it's, it's healthy for us. Have you, in your own mind, wrapped your head around that? What, what, what must the wrath of God be like? I mean, we've all witnessed the wrath of, of men, and we've seen what men are capable of in their wrath. When their anger boils over, we've seen our own wrath 
be poured out on people, sometimes to the point where we even surprise ourselves at what we're capable of doing. We've seen how violent and destructive that can be. And we've all seen, and I think every kid in the world who's ever lived seen, the wrath of mom. I mean, you all know what I'm talking about, right? Mom is patiently trying to get the kids to clean up after themselves, and for some reason, God only knows, they're not listening. And mom's frustration begins to grow. And the kids are running around screaming while mom's just trying to have a conversation on the telephone, or she's just trying to take 10 minutes out to watch her show, but no one will even give her a moment's peace, and her frustration begins to grow. And then the kids, because they're, they're, they're brain-dead by default, I guess, fail to understand simple commands, and mom, mom is trying to get clear to them, but invariably, because they seem to be hard of hearing, they always say the same thing. What? 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 Which then causes mom to have to repeat herself over and over and over and over again, and mom's frustration continues to grow. Any moms want to bear witness and say amen to that, right? Okay. And then mom, right, she's doing the laundry and she's doing the dishes and she's trying to figure out what to make for dinner. And the kids are like, mom, he's touching me. Mom, I'm thirsty. Mom, I need your help with Common Core Mathematics. Mom, he just spilled the soda. Mom, 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 mom. And her frustration grows. And then dad walks in and he puts his stuff on the dining room table and he leaves a trail of clothes and stuff and shoes behind as he goes to change clothes after work and mom now her frustration is beginning to boil over she is beginning to pop right and in the worst part is everyone can see it right they can see that mom is fuming and she's about to boil over they see the red light blinking in her eyes warning 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 right right they know it's coming but then somebody somebody has to say something that pushes over the edge. Maybe it's something simple like, can you please take out the trash? And they go, I always have to take out the trash, right? And then it happens. Mom goes off, right? She's, now she's mad. And she's not mad just a little bit. She's mad from the top of her head to the tip of her toes. And kids are getting whoopings, right? And everybody's running for their lives, right? And everyone's afraid because the world is now about to end. Everybody is afraid of the wrath of mom because everybody knows when you get in the way, right, you're just in trouble. Well, if you're afraid of the wrath of mom or the, or you're the wrath of other people, seriously, what about the wrath of God? I mean, think about this. He's the creator of all things. And by his word, he, cre- he spoke it all into existence. He's the most powerful being that's ever existed. He exists eternally. He is self-existent and needs nothing else. And your life, as important or big as you might think that it is, is always within his hands. And I want you to think about this. When people in the Old Testament did something that caused God to be angry, there were times that God would show indications of that wrath like the sons of Aaron in Leviticus chapter 10. If you remember that story, we're told that Nadab and Abihu, the sons of Aaron, each took a censer and put fire in it and laid incense on it and offered unauthorized fire before the Lord. Now, I don't know exactly what all that means, right? I just know that they did something God said not to do, right? It says, which he had not commanded them, and fire came out before the Lord and consumed them and they died before the Lord. God killed them because of their inappropriate behavior with unauthorized fire. Right? And that's just two people who made one mistake. What about God's wrath after billions and billions of people who have disobeyed him and blasphemed him and who've done horrible unspeakable things to one another. And even worse, who spit on the sacrifice of, of his beloved son. I don't know if you've seen the video search you know, around the internet where these people are at a little protest and they have this little game of like, of like soccer going on, except they're using a, a Bible, they're kicking it around, you know, and then somebody tell them to stop that and they end up taking it and throwing it into a porter potty, you know. And I realize it's just a book, but I'm just saying that's just where people's hearts are. They're spitting on the sacrifice of their beloved, of God's beloved son. 
And as we know, it goes from bad to worse. And people have not been doing this just recently. People have been doing these kinds of things for thousands of years. What happens when God finally unleashes his wrath upon the sins of the world and those who are in those sins? What does that look like? Well, my friends, that's what's coming. The great wrath of God will come one day. And when it comes, no one will be able to stand. And guess what? That's what we all deserve because of our sin. We deserve the wrath of God. We all have faced that tragic problem. And the worst is we can't escape it because of our what we do. We can't make it right. We can't change God's mind by our actions. The Bible tells us we have all become like one who is unclean and all of our Righteous deeds are like polluted garments. We all fade like a leaf and our iniquities like the wind take us away. We are incapable of saving ourselves. You cannot do enough good stuff to overcome the stain of your sin. It just doesn't work that way. Which means then we are helpless and hopeless and we are objects destined to be destroyed by God because of our sin. And we have nothing to look forward to beyond this life except his coming judgment and wrath. That is the problem that we all face. But then the gospel and the good news tells us, but God so loved the world that he did what people who love will do. He gave. And what did he give? He gave what was most precious to him, his only son, who in turn gave his very life for us because of that love, so that whoever believes in him, right? Whoever believes, not so not, not whoever works really hard and follows all the rules, whoever believes in him, no matter who you are, no matter where you've been, no matter what you've done, whoever believes in him will not perish, right? Will not face the wrath of God, will not go to hell, but have instead of that have present tense, the moment you believe, eternal life. God in His grace and His mercy made a way for us to overcome the greatest problem that we're ever going to face. God sent His own Son to die on our behalf so we could be set free. And on top of that, He gives us the greatest gift that we could ever receive. New life in Jesus Christ, eternal life in Christ. Paul says, for the wages of sin is death, but the free gift of God, as we recently read. The free gift of God is eternal life in Jesus Christ our Lord. God spares his judgment and wrath, and then turns and in turn gives us the free gift of eternal life that we did not earn or deserve. He clothes us in the righteousness of Christ and makes us perfect in His sight. I don't know about you. That's all the reason I need to be grateful for the rest of my life. That's all the reason I need to walk in gratitude for the rest of my life. God had mercy on the likes of me. And I'm going to tell you again, this is a truth that blows my mind when I think about it. Right? This is why I know in my own life if I'm walking in gratitude, I'm not spending enough time thinking about the gospel. Because when I think about it, I realize what's happened. Right? Because if I was God, I wouldn't save me. If I was God, I wouldn't save me. I know who I am. I know the things that I have done. I know the thoughts that I've had. I know that what I'm still capable of. I would not sacrifice my beloved, innocent son for the likes of me. Again, I've talked about over and over again, people get tripped up on things like the, the divinity of Christ or the Trinity or, or how can Jesus be fully God and fully man. Those mysteries don't even bother me. The one that bothers me is how in the world would God kill his own son to spare someone like me? But God did exactly that. God sent his son to the cross for the purpose of dying in our place so that we could go free. And that's all the reason that I need to be grateful. That's all the reason I need to walk every day in gratitude because the truth is this, it doesn't matter how the rest of my life goes. It doesn't matter if my life is filled with fun and happiness or pain and sorrow and loss. 
It doesn't matter because all of this life, one day, will be over. That's a guarantee. As we've been recently reminded in our own community how short life is. One day, we will all die. We will all stand in the presence of God. And our hope is that He would say, welcome home. And we would live forever in the presence of Christ with those who have trusted Him. And all of our tears and all the pain and all of our worries and sorrow will be forever gone. And so regardless of what life hands me now and how bad my day might be, I have all the reason I need to be grateful. I have all the reason I need to live in gratitude towards God because of what He has done for me in Christ. And then... (laughs) In addition to that, God wakes me up every morning still, right? And if that weren't enough, I live in a free country. And even though that we live in a country that we know that the future is very tenuous and, you know, we know that there are people that are trying to change that. Still today, we live in a free country. Still today. And if that's not enough, I have a wonderful family. I've got amazing kids. I have have a loving and faithful wife who stood by my side for so many years. I have a supportive church family. I have have plenty of food to eat. I have have enough water to drink. I even have high-speed internet at home. Some of you all remember there was a time in Boron where that wasn't even a thing. Let me just tell you, God has been good to me. And He's good to you. And I will boldly tell you, if you're not someone who lives a life of gratitude towards God, then either the gospel isn't really on your mind that much, or you just don't really understand the problem. Now, I'm not saying that you can't have bad days, because we're going to have them. And I'm not saying that, you, that, that you're not going to have hard times, or you can't have hard times. And I'm not saying that you can't be upset you know, at times a lot. And I'm not saying that you can't be deeply frustrated. What I am saying is if you actually understand the gospel and the gospel is even remotely important to you, you have more than enough reason every single day to be grateful to God, even in the hardest of times. In fact, the story of Corey Ten Boom, man, just exemplifies exactly what I'm talking about here this morning. I don't know if you've ever heard of Corrie Ten Boom, but her and her sister Betsy were in a German concentration camp. And unfortunately, we're living at a time where that means less and less to people because they don't really, they're not being taught that and they don't understand. But those of us who understand and who saw the pictures in, in, uh, in grade school of, of, of the Holocaust, we, we have an understanding of that. But they lived in horrific conditions And the specter of death and torture was constantly around them. They were reminded of it all the time. And to make things worse, their barracks, the place that they slept, even in their beds, were flea-infested. It was just like you could see them jumping around. That's how many fleas there were. And these girls were terrified. But Betsy came to Corey one day with an idea that, that might help them get through the hardship. And the, and the idea she got came from the scriptures. In fact, she quoted a passage from 1 Thessalonians chapter 5, and it says, Rejoice always. Pray without ceasing. Give thanks in all circumstances. For this is the will of God in Christ Jesus for you. Corey she struggled a lot with this verse at first because she said to her sister she could not give thanks in all circumstances, especially because of the fleas. The fleas were just a never-ending irritation to her. But Betsy reminded her that she had a lot to be thankful for still, right? And that she should give thanks In fact, one of the things that they could be thankful for is that the two of them were still together. 
right? So many families had been split apart by that point. And so Corey agreed, you know what? You're right. I can be thankful for that, but I can't be thankful for the fleas, right? Then Betsy noted that somehow the guards had not checked their luggage, right? And therefore, the Bible that she had hadn't been confiscated. At least they had the Word of God. And Corey was like, you know what? That's another thing. I can thank God for that, right? And I can thank God for many other things, but not the fleas, right? She could not, under any circumstances, give thanks for the fleas. But eventually, Corey learned that the only reason she and her sister had not had their Bible taken away from them and the only reason they were able to spend so much time together in the Word and the only reason that they had not been assaulted by the guards and, and the reason why they had been left alone so much was because the guards were so repulsed by the fleas that they wouldn't even enter into the girls' barracks. Corey eventually learned how to give thanks to God, even for the fleas. You and I have so many things to be grateful for. In fact, let me just ask you a question. If you were to wake up tomorrow, and the only things that you had what you were the things that you thank God for today, what would you have? I ask that question because it's very convicting to me. You see, our gratitude and ingratitude says a lot about the condition of our heart and our, our spiritual health. What does your gratitude say about your walk with God? You see, the purpose of this series is to get you and I to see the importance of gratitude and the role it plays in the life of the Christ follower. And what we learn today is that gratitude acts as a spiritual thermometer it really helps us to assess our spiritual health. And again, it does so in three ways. It tells us who our heart really belongs to in the moment. It tells us the quality of our devotional life, if we're honest. And it tells us how important the gospel is to us. And based on this, then how does your gratitude level toward God, what does it say about you? Are you spiritually healthy or are you doing okay <laughs> or not so much? Where's your heart most of the time? Is it on God or is it with you? How is your devotional life? Are you spending regular time in prayer, in the Word, in fellowship, and in worship? Or is it eh, kind of hit and miss? And how important is the gospel to you? Do you wake up every day thanking God for His love and mercy and His grace? And do you think regularly about how amazing it is that God has shown mercy on the likes of you? Or is that just kind of like something you think about you know, when somebody talks about it? How is your spiritual health? And I want you to understand, I ask these questions, right? But I don't ask them from a lofty and high place. I ask these questions because I ask them of my own self. These are questions I wrestle with from time to time, just like you. Sometimes my spiritual health is really good because I'm focused on God and my devotional life is great and man, my heart overflows with gratitude for the gospel and then there are times that life has gotten in the way somehow. And I find that in my own life, just like you, my gratitude level is a direct relation, you know, direct reflection of my spiritual health. And so I ask you to examine your own hearts and how your spiritual life measures up. Are you walking in gratitude or well, could be better? Well, here's what I'd like to do as we approach Thanksgiving. I think this is a great time to think about this. Again, the, the year's coming to an end. We're going to become reflective. I think it's time that we spend some, we can spend some time thinking about this. In fact, there are two things I'd ask you to do. Number one is I would want you to think about these three things and ask yourself, how can I start to grow towards gratitude? Right? Where's the area of my life that I'm probably weak in? Is it your, you know, you're focusing your, you know, your life and your activities on God? Is it your devotional time? And I say devotional time because those are the spiritual habits that we all have developed. And some of us, there are those times that are really, really good. You know, you're up at first thing in the morning, you got your Bible out, you're reading, and there are those times like, oh, I'm running behind, I don't have time for that. Right? Or what about thinking about the gospel? Is the gospel something that's front and center in your mind? 
Which of these areas do you need to work on? And my suggestion is, is I would start with a devotional time, I think, because that feeds everything else. But I would pick one of these and I would just pray that the Lord would help you to grow. And then the second thing that I would ask you to do is actually a little bit more of a, a long-term project. And, and what I would ask you to do is every day, just take some time and think about something that you're grateful for to God. But not just think about it, but actually take and then write it down and begin a list. Whether it's in a notebook or a piece of paper or whatever. And it can be anything, right? I mean, believe me, it can be, Lord, I'm thankful for my family or, or for work or for salvation or, or the fact that your car is still running. Right? Or the fact that, you know, there's still a tiny little bit of tread on them tires so I, can, I, don't, have to, I don't have to spend $1,000 right now. Or the fact that you have enough food to eat or that you have such good friends or you have such an amazing pastor. I mean, it can, it can be anything, right? But once you write it down, then, then take a moment and just pray and thank the Lord for that, right? Just write it down and then pray and thank, thank the Lord for that. And then here's the secret. Do it again the next day and then the next day, and then the next day, and watch the list begin to grow. So this isn't something you have to do it all at once, right? But it's simple, right? Just start writing things down, and you'll see that list grow, and then every day begin to thank God for all those things, right? And the thing is, is let's not just stop at Thanksgiving. Let's just keep going. I mean, now some of us will probably grow tired of this, but let's at least go to Christmas, right? That's really the root, you know, the, that's where we celebrate the, the birth of what we are thankful for anyway, right? The birth of Christ. So, number one, pick an area where you would ask God to grow you in your gratitude. And the second thing is, is every day, write something down that you can be grateful for, and then just spend time in the Lord saying thank you. And I promise you, if you will do those things, you will feel your attitude and your heart change you will find ample reason to set your heart upon God and you'll have more than enough reason to spend time with Him in worship. You've been listening to the preaching ministry of Pastor Sherman Burkhead, a production of First Baptist Church in Boron, California. Our website address is fbcboron.org. And would you please consider partnering with us financially as we work to share the hope and the gospel of Jesus Christ with our community and our world.